0: Good morning, everybody. This is Victoria, your dog guru, and today we are talking about being the proud owner of a barkaholic. A lot of people struggle with this on a regular basis um, for various reasons. Maybe their dog is barking at the mailman, maybe they're barking at what seems like nothing, Um, but regardless what your situation is, um, I refer to a few specific techniques which over time and with a lot of follow-up will start winning the battles of the barkaholics and reforming the behavior back to what you can live with. So let's jump right into it. The first thing that I want to talk about is exposure. So some dogs are barking at things that they see out the window, some, th- some dogs bark at what they hear, and then sometimes it's a combination of both stimuli. And then there are also the dogs that bark just to get attention. Um, attention barking can be a huge and ongoing problem if it's not addressed properly. So we're gonna talk about all of those factors and how to start reversing that process. Before you tackle what the causes are, um, normally I always say identify triggers first, but in this particular case, you want a few other things in line before you even attempt to try and neutralize triggers. So there's three key behaviors you're going to need to have in place. One. You're gonna to want to have a solid come when called down pat. Another behavior that's really useful is teaching them leave it, which I'm going to go into the schematics of how to teach that. And then a stay. I want everybody to keep in mind though, these things do not happen overnight. In fact, it can be somewhat complex to try and send the right message to your dog when they're obsessively barking about something. Um, but all of these pieces together will really start gaining the results that you're looking for. So. Let's start with a solid come when called. Um, In previous episodes, I've kind of talked and elaborated on how I teach a dog to do that, but just to reiterate a little bit, I always teach a come when called by not making an optional. I usually take a super long line or the longest leash I have. I prefer a long line because it's a lot lighter and they can get further away. And it also gives them the illusion of freedom and free choice, which, like I said, it is just an illusion. There are lots of times throughout a day where you can use come when called. You can make it into a game where, you know, you're calling them from the other side of the room or they're in a different room from you and you call them in. But every time you ask a dog to come when called, when they finally get to you, you need to praise them. You need to make sure you mark it with something valuable, like playtime or a treat. Um, Whatever the case is, you want to make sure that there's incentive for them to come when you ask. I would definitely say this is probably one of the most crucial skills for any dog to have, even if you don't have a barker, because it's a life-saving skill. But the other reason that come when called is so useful is that you can work it into other behaviors and work them away from things that you don't want them to be obsessing about. So be sure you're saying your dog's name, getting their attention that way, and then asking them to come when called. When you have them on a long line, that takes away the option. So you'll say their name and then say, come and reel them in like a fish not aggressively but quickly so that there's only one direction they can go and that's towards you and even if they're hesitant and slow at first they will speed up just learning that they don't have an option and I'd recommend practicing that process over and over and over to the point where when you have the long line on them and they hear the words come after their name the word come after their name they're already heading in your direction because they're anticipating you giving them a payoff, they're anticipating you, giving them good feedback, and a reward. I then would remove the long line if that's what you've started by working on, and that's only for dogs that are really easily distracted. If you feel like your dog would cross a house if you simply added an incentive and didn't need the long line, that's fine. You just really need them to come consistently every time you ask. Once you have that in place, you can move on to the next behavior. If you've been using a long line, then I would start taking the long line off Still practicing the same process and when you've got consistency there then you can move on to the next process which is teaching them to leave it. I'm actually gonna post a video of what this looks like see because you know visually it's going to really stick in your mind a little bit better than me just describing it but generally what you're teaching them to do when you're telling them to leave it is you're showing them exactly what you don't want them to have You're presenting it to them, and when they do reject it, then you're rewarding them with something else. I always say, whatever you're offering, you can reward with the same thing you're offering. Just don't give it to to them with the hand that you're presenting. You know, so if I said leave it and I had treats in my left hand, I would reward him once he backed away from it or left it alone with the treats that were in my right hand, even though they're the exact same thing, the goal is to have him reject whatever you're indicating. So if you're indicating your left hand and for him not to touch that and take what's in it, then it's totally fine to reward him with the other hand. So that's how you start getting your leave it going. And I would practice it with different objects. Um, If you see your dog heading towards a set of blinds that you know he always works, barks at, then that's a great opportunity, you know, A little bit of prevention and catching things as they're materializing can head off a lot of bad events. So if you see your dog trotting over towards the window that you know he always barks out of when he starts staring out of it, you can actually say, "Uh uh-uh, leave it, and call him back to you. So you're using your come when called and your leave it cue, and then comes in the last cue that you really need, which is stay. Because we have a lot of the boomerang effect, you tell them to leave it, they leave it. They come over to you because you've asked, but then they're like, okay, well, I'm going to go back to the window now. To prevent that from being a consistent problem, I always put a dog in a stay, either a sit stay or a down stay. And really the position is not relevant. I always, you know, I try try to shoot for, you know, a down stay just because it's generally more comfortable. And sometimes I'll even give them some sort of incentive, like a bone to chew on, um, like a marrow bone to chew on, just to keep them occupied where I've put them in a stay. Now, you don't have to do that, but it definitely increases the likelihood that they're going to want to stick around there. I had one client who had two dogs, and they usually played off of each other. The first time I ever went to a consultation at her home, I realized that it was like, just a constant push and pull. One would stare once the other one was staring, the other one would start barking, then they're both barking, and the management was just very complex. So, what I told her to do was kind of divide and conquer. And you might have to do that if you have a multi dog household. You might have to split them up and put, you know, work on the behaviors with one dog and then work on the other, on the same behaviors with the other dog, and then you can bring them together. You know, if you can't tackle a problem with a dog as an individual, Expecting them to make the right decision together is not going to work. You know, they don't learn the good stuff from each other. If they did, I would have been out of a job a long time ago. So they're more likely to engage in behaviors that you're not wanting to see than to simply listen to you, and learn from the other one's good judgment. Now there's always the one in a million case. I know people are thinking, well my dog learned from my other dog that he didn't have to or he needed to blank, but that's generally not the rule. So if you have two dogs or more, work with each of them one-on-one, and you might even notice that one picks it up faster than the other, or one's better at stay, um, and or one's better at come when called. They'll each have their strengths, but to make it something that you can expect them both to do, you need to solidify that training regime with both of them as individuals because they are individuals. They may be in a pack sort of, or a multi-dog household to me as a pack. You know, they may be in that sort of dynamic, but you wouldn't expect a five-year-old to teach a two-year-old. So kind of think of it in those terms. You, You would want to make sure that the message is sent consistently across the board. And like I said, you know, one might pick certain behaviors up faster than another or be more dependable on one than the other. But I will caution you. I would never put them together until individually they're at the same level. That you know that when they hear those cues, they know what they mean. You're going to get the return you're asking for. You're going to get the stay that you're asking for. And you're going to get the leave it when you ask for it. Because they've both gotten a really strong standard and you've set the bar high enough and they're equal. If you have a dog that only barks with the doorbell ringing, I actually don't typically deter that. I do install an off switch. Um, I tell people a lot of times, you know, it's natural for a dog to alert you when somebody's on your property, because they're trying to protect you. They're trying to warn you of the evils of the world. And that's okay. But if you don't have an off switch, it can be like 30, 40 minutes of barking that nobody wants to hear. You, the guests, the mailman that's leaving and is probably happy to do so. So when you have a dog that's obsessively barking, or even a series of dogs that are obsessively barking, you need to interrupt that behavior and put, you know, you can say leave it. If they don't immediately leave it um, and come when called, then you need to go retrieve them. And then you need to go and put them in a space further away from the door because that's one of the triggers, one of the strong stimuli they're responding to and put them in a stay. If they get up from that stay, you'll go, "Uh uh-uh, and you'll put them right back where where they came from because consistency is key. Dogs do not generalize well, so you may have to practice this a lot. You may even practice this with different types of sounds. I had one client who every time she turned on the vacuum cleaner, the dog would go ballistic. And so what we had to start doing is exposing the dog to the sound in brief periods, like five or seven seconds, Of hearing the vacuum and then we'd interrupt the behavior. We'd say, "Uh uh-uh, put her in a sit, then put her in a down, then put her in a stay Um, and then if she tried barking again, we'd say leave it and we'd take her even further away from the vacuum and ask her to lay down and stay. And basically what we're teaching her is you don't need to be obsessing about this. This is something I'm going to handle. So then I briefly mentioned mentioned earlier, there are the dogs that bark for your attention. Um, corgis do this. Uh, I've seen labs that do this. The breed is really kind of irrelevant because once a dog has learned to attention bark, that's really its own reward. So if you want to reverse a behavior like that, you need to start disengaging. You know, a lot of times we don't pay attention to our dogs when they're making the right decisions. We only give them attention when they're doing the wrong thing. I'll give you an example. I, when I first started training, would only discipline my dog. I mean, I was kind to him about it, but I would only really engage with him besides cuddle time when I needed him to stop doing something naughty. When I should have been rewarding when he was calm. So he was an alert barker, and um, every time he would hear something outside, of the apartment or the house, wherever I was living, it really didn't matter. It was like he had sonar going on. And I mean, when that was the case, I should have been when he was quiet, even if nothing was going on, I should have been and marked that because when he started barking because he heard something or he wanted me to feed him, for example, I was rewarding that behavior simply by paying attention to it instead of interrupting it and redirecting it. You know, if a dog is getting demanding for your time or something you're holding or your attention, I prefer disengaging because if what you want from me is what I'm holding, then I'm taking it away and I'm leaving the room with it and you're on the other side of the door. If the reason you're barking at me is because I haven't pet you fast enough, then again, I'm going to put space between us. I'm going to ignore you. I'm going to even take make, make sure that my vision is Far averted from you, and I'm gonna go about my life. And when you're quiet, that's when I'm going to reward you. That's when I'm gonna re engage. I mentioned earlier, you know, mother dogs, when there was something a puppy was doing they didn't want them to do, they would immediately withdraw their attention. They would sometimes leave the space, they sometimes just sat up and ignored them. But the message is still there, you know. Even if you got your puppy as early as six weeks, which I, by the way, don't typically recommend. I always say, you know, the longer you can keep them with a breeder or with their littermates, the better. I mean, I say that. No, fourteen weeks is a little bit of overkill. But the first eight to ten weeks are super crucial periods of time and language. And, and I understand there are orphan situations where, you know, heaven forbid, something happens to the mother. But in those cases. Learning from littermates isn't enough. They need some sort of guidance outside of that. Sometimes they have a, a female dog to offer that language because as they develop, those imprint periods that they go through, they're still there. That information is still active. And when you do something that mom would have done when she didn't like what they were doing, you know, she's not got time to tell eight puppies, knock it off. No, she's going to disengage. She's going to leave the space. She's basically going to give them an authoritative silent treatment. And then when they behave or they just stop what they're doing, be it barking, nipping, generally annoying her, that's when she goes, okay, mom's back in town. And she never really left, but she's sending a message that that's not how you're going to get my attention. And we need to send that same message because it's going to resonate more than you interrupting them every single time they're doing something you don't like. Match that to the fact that you're going to be telling them When you do like something, and they're not expecting that because they've only really been engaged with when they're doing something naughty, you're setting up a pattern that teaches them that there's more that they can gain from being calm, cool, and collected than there is by being naughty and trying to force You'd offer them the treat, their food, your attention, whatever it is. With attention barking specifically, I always disengage. When they're barking at a stimuli, be it something outside or something on the TV, that's when I'll say, leave it, Come, ask them to come when called, and then put them in a stay. So this way we're we're cutting off the boomerang effect, but we're also sending a message that, no, you don't need to be doing that. This is actually your new job. And you can have a give them a toy. You know, stay is its own effort. And a lot of dogs that don't know a solid stay will try and get up, and owners give up after like the second or third time that they've gotten up. The key to stay is every time they get up and you have not told them, okay, you're released, you know, they're learning. They're like, okay, well, they've only got three good runs in them after I get up the third time. They're not coming and putting me back. So you don't want your dog to outsmart you and start training you. You want to return them to to that spot over and over and over. And when you do, you're going to realize that the times that they break that stay become less frequent. And your consistency and your need to remind them, no, 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 go back over here, is also infrequent. Um, and eventually it won't exist at all. You won't have to tell them, go lay down and stay. Because it's like they know, oh, I've been told to leave it. Here's what's coming. And it's just as predictable as what they got from mom. Mom sent them very clear messages. She did the same thing over and over. And eventually they just fell into line because they had no other choice. It was either listen to mom or don't get fed, or listen to mom, or don't get attention. So you really have to make it a simple process. You don't overcomplicate things. Mom doesn't do that, you don't need to do that. In fact, dog language is pretty straightforward. Consistency wins and clarity wins. So as long as you're both of those, your likelihood of achieving your goals, whatever they are, is so much higher because you've sent the messages, you've given them the feedback, And when you get used to rewarding them for what they're supposed to be doing, you're going to see that they are responding the way you need them to respond instead of the way that they've done it in the past. So if you're the proud owner of a Barkaholic, this is how you can really get started and start reversing a behavior that can be super annoying and draining. Simplify the process, be clear, be consistent, and reach your goals. If you have any questions about anything I talked about today uh, feel free to shoot them my way. I am going to be posting a video and I'll send, I'll put a link in the show notes so that anybody can go check out the video and see exactly how to teach a leave it. Um, and. Just to give you an update of what we have coming up this week, we actually have a guest that's going to be on our show. He's also a podcaster, and he's coming, so he'll be sharing his doggy stories because he's had a lot of dogs in his lifetime. He'll be on the show next Wednesday, and until then, send me your questions, give me your feedback, and enjoy the video. Have a good day, everybody. This is Victoria, your dog guru, and I'll talk at you later.